I want them to feel like they can see themselves or hear themselves in the music, like their ancestors are coming through the music. Since its inception, generations of youth have gravitated to hip-hop. The genre has been the platform for young people to express their art. And we see this in our communities around the world, specifically in Native America, and how hip-hop culture relates to Native life. Out there on the streets right now, there are carvers, drummers, dancers, there are hunters. Everyone has their own gift. From Minnesota to Alaska, we follow eight Native American MCs in this four-part series. Their dynamic voices carry insight and raw emotion as they share their stories. From Indigify, I'm Alexis Salih. This is Definition of Resilience. Allison Warden, a.k.a. Aku Matu, was actually my teacher for a multimedia class in high school. With a background in theater and performing arts, she uses theatrics in her hip-hop performances and uniquely represents her Nupiak culture in her music. Her costumes and song lyrics are inspired by her ancestors, as well as animals like the whale and polar bear. Over 12 years ago, she started seriously pursuing her rap career, practicing over instrumentals, and then creating her own work. Aku is Akuchuk, which is my great-grandfather's name, and Matumeak is Aku Matu. So it's the abbreviation of those two names. It's named after KRS-One, basically, as like honor to my rap ancestors. I mean, he's still around. <laughs> but it's a way to show respect to him, because out of anyone I was hearing, the through line of his work and since he was there at the beginning, I wanted to pay homage to one of the ancestors of hip-hop. So I made it all in caps with a dash like him. As a little girl, my mom ran a choir all in Inupiaq. They would record and put up microphones and she would do all the recording herself on cassette. And then she would drive out to North Pole where the radio station was and give the cassette tapes to the station and then it would be played. So I watched my mom doing these things with music and theater. Allison followed in her mom's footsteps, getting into music and theater, but did so in her own way with hip-hop. She shares her mom's story through song while also diving into the effects of colonization on Native people as a whole. I have a song called The Mom Song, and she helped me to write it. We are kind of chronicling her life. I couldn't put everything in there. I borrowed from my auntie's life also. I wanted a song to hopefully heal some of the generational trauma that my generation experiences and even younger generation are feeling because of how quickly the colonization hit us. I call it rapid colonization. My mom grew up in a sad house. Now she's on Facebook. That's a really big rate of change. <laughs> you know, she was one of the ones who got her master's degree. She lived for her people and, you know, worked for her people her whole life. Yet she had some pretty common experiences that are around, even around the globe. You know, she had TB when she was eight. She was made to go to boarding school for an extended period of time. She had to relearn her language word by word. She had to like fight for her own language just to be able to speak it. 
And the last verse is like, next time you see a drunk native on the street, think about my mom, think about me. Just think about all these different impacts that we just felt one after the other and how that can impact our psyche. And then encouraging others to do the healing work that we all need to do to move not only ourselves and the future people, but our ancestors forward too. Because I feel like I, I know that we can heal our ancestors through our actions today. It's possible to go in both directions in time. Allison is learning to speak her native language fluently. Three hours a week, she gets together with a group of speakers. They have tea and practice speaking only in Upiak. A lot of our concepts in a way of us seeing the world, everything, all of it, is all embedded in the language. I know I'm in Upiak. I know I was racist in Upiak. Yet I know when I am learning the language, I access a deeper part of myself. And so in my music, I made a commitment to make at least each song a third Inupiaq. But in the future, I'm going to make them all in Inupiaq because the young people will like the song and then they could read the translation and then they'll learn how to speak it through the listening of it. Allison is a staff member in the Chamai Room at the University of Alaska Anchorage, which is a gathering place that provides culturally focused activities for Indigenous students. In her role as an artist and community healer, she also does workshops with kids. I want to reach out to the Indigenous youth out there, inspire them to take the baton and do something different and new, and I want to catch their attention. And I want them to feel like they can see themselves or hear themselves in the music, like their ancestors are coming through the music. You know, sampling is a part of hip-hop. Why not sample our own traditional sounds in a respectful way? Just brings the whole world of the Inipiak into the music. It's just a, a much deeper layer. I think it just accesses some different part of your brain when you hear those traditional sounds. Even with a beat, I taught my non-native beat maker friend how to drum up. So like with the underbeat instead of like this, I showed him how to make it have a swing to it that's an Inupiaq kind of feel. And I sat with him with every song to make sure that it was being infused with Inupiaq sensibility or something. <laughs> when we were previewing her tracks as we hung out with her in the Chamai room, I was impressed and excited by how she uses the Inupiaq drum in her modern music. In addition to creating beats to the Inupiaq rhythms, she highlights her people's relationship to the natural world. This track in particular gets into the importance of the whale. The whale song is from the perspective of a bowhead whale, so I usually wear black and I have a whale tail as yes, costume. I have a costume. 
And so in this song, I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not easy. You can't have me. Nope, not for you, not for you, not for you. And then at the end, the whale's like, maybe I'll be just a little bit easy, but not for you. And so <laughs> it's about our spiritual relationship with the bowhead whale and how the bowhead whale chooses to give itself to a whaling crew based on the virtue of the whaling captain's wife. So the whale explains this him or herself. The whale does this. It's just a funny way to bring our values out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm round and blubbery, so I get to um, shake my blubber and flirt with the audience. And sometimes I feel like, no, I was just doing a song, you know, after the show or whatever. <laughs> While Allison grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska, she spent periods of time in her ancestral home of Kaktovik, which has a population of only a few hundred. She brings her personality to the stage and is playful with traditional stories in order to educate on the values of her people. Kaktovik, my village is known for the polar bears, so there's maybe 50 or so polar bears, maybe more, that gather at the end of the runway. I wanted to write a song from the perspective of the polar bear. I had a show where the polar bear is basically saying, peace out world, my time is getting closer to an end, basically. We have this story in my culture where animals are people inside. Just like you and I put a jacket on when we go outside because it's cold. Polar bears, when they're in their homes, they're people just like that, us. They look just like us. But then when they go outside to go hunting or whatever, they put on a jacket and it's a polar bear jacket and they look like a polar bear and they are a polar bear outside. Or a seal or a walrus. Animals are just like us people inside. That's why we treat them with respect. On that one, when I perform it in a stage with adults, you know, not with kids, I take off all my clothes and I underneath I have like this little tiny swimsuit on or whatever. <laughs> I have a, I'm like, I'm so hot. And then I just take off all my layers and then I end up just like on stage with this little swimsuit. And then I put my polar bear hat on and I put my polar bear gloves and they're like, oh, she's taking off her clothes, first of all. And then <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of her right now. And then I'm like, I'm a polar bear in the Arctic Sea. And I launched into being a polar bear. The polar bear is basically saying, hey, humans, it's time to wake up, rise up, get it together. The animals can't speak for ourselves. We need you to speak for us. You are now an honorary polar bear. And the chorus is, oh, where did all the ice go? So it's very catchy, more environmentally focused song. There's a lot of movements towards saving the polar bear. But there's people there too, and we want to have a say on what's happening on our land too, and to have an active vocal say in everything that's affecting us and to be taken seriously and to have it actually be heard in the way that it needs to be. Samuel Johns, known as AK Rebel, is Atna and Gwichin Athabaskan from Kludika, or Copper Center, Alaska. I grew up in Anchorage, so of course I'd heard of him. It's a small city, even though they call it the largest village in Alaska. 
One thing I really remember about him, he debuted the music video to his track Wake Up at the 2014 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention. The track was about domestic violence. He told me he was worried to show it in front of that audience because of the heavy subject matter. But right when it ended, he received a standing ovation. It was kind of the tipping point that got him noticed and influenced him to keep touching on powerful topics that affect indigenous people. Before I started recording a lot, I worked construction with a Nieser for like two years. When I got laid off from that job, I didn't really have much to do. And my auntie, she asked me if I could volunteer at Beans Cafe. While I was making sandwiches while I was there, this guy asked me if I was good at drumming and singing. And then he asked if I'd ever thought about drumming and singing for the people there. I looked at him like, no, like I wouldn't do that. I'm not even any good. That thought kind of just, you know, stuck with me. And before I left, I asked the staff, I'm like, you mind if I bring my drum down here next week so I can sing a couple of songs for them? And they were like excited. They were like, yeah, yeah, do that, please. And I did. When we were with him in Anchorage, we went down to Bean's Cafe, the homeless shelter where he used to volunteer. I was surprised how many people were inside and outside of the place. It was packed. We got to see him and his friend perform along with this amazing Yupik singer, Olivia Shields. It was powerful to see everyone connect to the music and see how much they appreciated the performances. For a lot of them, it seemed to be a reminder of home. When I went down there, I was so nervous because I had this whole crowd of people that at the time I didn't really respect. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go with it. And I closed my eyes and I just started singing from my heart. I started singing Yelo and I opened my eyes and this lady was standing next to me doing this raven dance and she told me to keep drumming and singing. So I just kept doing it. And then other people got up and they started dancing with us and it was so awesome. I was leaving and they all were like coming towards me to hug me and were like, come back again, come back. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I'm looking at my drum like, damn, my drum did this? I went back the next week I went down there for like eight weeks in a row, every Thursday. That's when I really started building a relationship with the homeless community. The time he spent at the shelter made Samuel want to continue making a difference. His volunteering and performing ended up turning into something bigger. After that, I ended up creating a Facebook group to help document people that I that asked me for help. Because the more I went down there, the more people would come up to me and ask me for any type of help. And I would be like, I don't know, man. I'm just coming here to drum and sing. Within one day, we had about 3,000 members. The Facebook group Samuel created is called Forget Me Not. The purpose of the group is to help people who are stranded in Anchorage reconnect with their families, traditional foods, and culture. It is community-based. There are currently about 25,000-plus members in the group providing care packages to those in need and donating miles to fly people back home. I get tagged to a post a week later and this lady named Marsha Riley writes this big old long post thanking me for getting her brother back to Bethel. And I'm like, I didn't do that. Like, what the heck is she talking about? And uh, I messaged her. I said, hey, I'm sorry you got me mistaken. I didn't help your brother out. And she's like, no, I used your forget-me-not. I used it. I posted this photo on the group. And other people tracked him down and found him. And they called me and we got his ticket back here. He's having dinner with me and it's Father's Day. And I was just blown away because they, the first person to actually use it, I didn't even do it. 
There's so many people behind it. There's so many good people behind it. After we saw Samuel perform, we stayed for at least an hour talking with people. Everyone wanted to share their story about where they're originally from, how long they'd been staying at the shelter, and how they're working to improve their situation. When you start talking to them and start asking them what they're good at, you no longer can see homeless because it'll change you. Out there on the streets right now, there are carvers, drummers, there are singers, there are dancers, there are hunters. Everyone has their own gift. That's what I see now. When you help them get the tools, you'll see that. You'll see who they really are. It's pretty beautiful. Forget Me Not happened organically. The community gravitated to it because there was such a strong need. Since it seamlessly became an important part of Samuel's life, there was no way for him to know going into it how it would impact him. The work that I do with the homeless community, I get a lot of secondary trauma from that. I have a lot of people reach out to me on a daily basis and they share their stories with me about why they need help. Every time that happens, me being an untrained, off-the-paper counselor, you know, that tries to help them with the plane ticket, I had never really knew how to direct that baggage that would be dropped off on me. I do what I can, but I've been running on empty. Man, when this all started, I feel taller than 10 feet. I used to push so hard with the fear of being nameless. What an American dream, just wanted to be famous. But messing with your ego and heart could be dangerous. I forgot my real purpose, only seeking greatness. No humble old humility with no patience. I'm from a dirt road, so I don't need pavement. Trailblazing all my problems like I'm feeling painless. This is such a Last summer when I wrote that song, I wrote it out of anger. It had a totally different beat, more of like an angry Eminem type beat. But I found that beat, that piano beat, and that was a lot better because it let me uh, to express it more than shout it. And I'll admit that I am no one's hero. I'll admit that I've been feeding my ego. I'll admit, I'll admit, I'll admit, I'll admit, I'll admit that I was wrong. Writing that song helped me out a lot because I got to actually, it's almost like when you write how you feel in a journal. You write it and then you read it and you're like, oh damn, like, I don't know, it's different than you holding it in and you remembering it and thinking about it. When you actually put it out there, writing, poetry, like me putting my headphones on and hearing it, I'm like, wow, you know, it's like me reminding myself and trying to humble myself. And so that's why I wrote that song. Just a lot of uh, aggression that I needed to channel in a good way. Samuel's track, Rise, sends a message of reclaiming heritage and fighting against oppression. We have never been defeated. Others have tried to remove our knowledge through religion and the education systems. They've always tried to sever our connections to our lands, our waters, and our rights. But what they didn't know was that killing the Indian to save the man would only strengthen our fight to protect what is ours to be who we've always been. We have always been here. We will always be here. Homelessness and domestic violence are among the many causes that drive Samuel to take action, bring awareness to issues, and communicate his passion through music. What he writes about is taken from the people around him and based on what he sees in his community and other indigenous communities. Writing Rise put me on a spiritual level. While the song was being made, there were different things that happened. 
that made me feel like there was something else. When I first started writing the chorus, it was when the Fairbanks Forward released. I don't even know why, but those words were ringing in my head. We will rise, we will rise, we will fall, we will fall. And I was thinking of how those four young natives went to jail for murder they never even committed for 18 years. So that's what I meant by we will fall, we will fall, but then we'll rise again and we'll stand tall. And that's how I felt at that moment when they were released from jail. Protect the land, protect the people, cause they never understand that song and eagle. They'll never understand our sacred ways. Take me back to my sister's days. Take me back to my elders' wisdom. Take me back to when I can listen. Take me back to my original name. Away from all this capitalistic shame. Take me back to that sacred beast. Take us back to before that beast. Going to Standing Rock in November of 2016. That really um, put a lot of passion in me that I didn't know how to channel. I felt a lot of fire, like, you know? I don't even know how to like, explain it, but I felt a lot of passion in here. Money, I remember before he hit record, I prayed. I wanted that fire that I felt to be contagious. My friend EJR David, he's like, a, he's a professor at UAA. He came up to me and he doesn't even know that prayer that I did. He brought his boy to me at AFN after Kuyana night. And that boy came up to me and was like, that song, and it puts a fire in me. I feel really warm right here when you sing it. And it made me tear up. Like, I was like, whoa, man. I'm like, whoa. So that really showed me that I, it's probably just one of the tools for the seventh generation. One of the many things that are going to empower them to reclaim what was once taken from us. Like the roads are the concrete. My existence is a protest. And as long as my heart beats, my culture will never rest. Hate, anger, pain can make one hell of an artist. Most of the world's masterpieces will make in times of darkness at times. I'm so confused because I was hell in heavenless. I don't know, can you even comprehend this type of heaviness? Looked in my father's eyes, saw culture with genocide. Looked in my mama's eyes, saw tears from all the crimes. There's a moment in my life when my whole life flashed. All these emotions all just clashed. Who am I? What am I doing? What the hell am I really pursuing? What's the purpose on the surface? Cause I know I ain't worthless. My heart's been pulling me from this capitalistic surface ever since the night. In them chanty suckering, I felt the prayers from the world in the times we're living in. Looked in my daughter's eyes, and she decolonized. Looked in my daughter's eyes. After hearing how determined and passionate Samuel is, it's hard to imagine him being shy or insecure about expressing himself. The artist he is now, full of fire, was at one point just starting out. The person that lived next door to me, Matt Frankston and his older brother, Eric Hash, they loved hip-hop. I was grew up in a Christian home, and I could barely listen to it. I remember I brought home a Coolio tape, and my dad threw it away. I remember like I'd go over there and hang out. They would always like listen to beats and write music, and then they would always ask me to, and I always be like, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not good at that." But they would always just be like, "Just write something." So I just wrote, and that that's what kind of got me into writing poetry. I liked it. I liked putting words together. It was like puzzles, you know. They're the ones that got me into it, though. Over time, I, you know, I'd mess around with rap, but mostly I did poetry. Samuel took us to his hometown of Kludika, or Copper Center, Alaska, which is about three hours northeast of Anchorage. 
We recorded this live performance at the Kludika Memorial Hall. I live in a nation that doesn't acknowledge colonization, old stock of trauma instilled in many generations. A nation that gave me a biblical name. This nation's impatience gave me a cynical pain, hypocritical shame. What a typical game. You see my people on the streets post-capitalistic hurricane. I don't even know how to better explain. All the abuse and excuse cause so much pain. And to top it all off, so much little to gain. Look, I don't want your money, just my land reclaimed. For the sake of food security, sustaining our abilities. This is for you and me reclaiming. Our identity and rising like the tide all across the world. No longer be colonized, truth will be unfurled. No more materialistic pride for our boys and girls, cause the time is now for a sustainable world. Samuel shared with me the concept of being a warrior and how important it is to him. As a motivational speaker, he fuels conversation in his hometown of Copper Center and in other rural villages across Alaska. In his work and everyday life, He challenges himself and others to live wholeheartedly and confront political and sometimes sensitive issues. I think it would benefit us if every community sat down together and discussed what they feel is a warrior. When did we adopt this no-snitching culture? No snitching, like where you can't tell, you can't talk about it. Something, something is wrong. You don't want to talk to the cops. You don't want your cousin to be going to jail for a year. But the more you unravel that, the more you'll see that it is creating this passive mentality where it quietly allows sexual abuse. It quietly allows domestic violence. Consciously searching for some codependency And everything I ever had became you and me And there was so much pain with no healthy outlet And it always... It allows all these things to take place There is no warrior Because your people aren't healing And if you really were a warrior You'd be allowing your people to heal You wouldn't be isolating the bad things that are happening to them Because bottom line, the fear of no snitching is colonization Our people are being taken away and putting into an institution for years and then they come back and they're never the same again. Or they end up on the streets of Anchorage. If we can talk about what is a warrior and and then we claim what we see as a warrior, that we will one day be able to hold our own accountable. And I feel that's that right there is the beauty in all of it, is when we are able to hold our own accountable. Because the kids will see that, create a generation that will see themselves as that. Samuel and all of these Native MCs bring the spirit of indigenous strength to hip-hop. They voice the struggles within themselves and in others. They use hip-hop to bring people together and empower them. The product of this fusion is not just amazing art, It's a way of life, rich in history and redefining what it means to be resilient. Definition of Resilience is produced by me, your host, Alexis Salee, and associate producer, Jessica Streitfeld. This has been a documentary production from Indigify. Thank you to the communities and indigenous territories that let us film and record on their land. Music by Akumatu, 
WD-40, and AK Rebel. Theme music by Keese IMC. Definition of Resilience is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. The Siri Foundation, Margaret Casey Foundation, Progressive and Social Justice Fund of the Alaska Community Foundation, Atwood Foundation, Cook Inlet Tribal Council, and Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.